Show us Christ, indeed, we pray, as we preach uh, your word. Amen. Do please uh, take a seat. Well, may I have my own welcome. It's great to uh, have you with us. Uh, we're going to be looking at that passage from James that Johnny read for us. It's on page uh, 1,213, if you would uh, like to follow along. That would be great help to me if you had that open. Uh, imagine with me this uh, scenario, if you will. Uh, a young university student, he's a Christian. He's in his first year of university. Uh, he's been fit and healthy for all of his life. And he's suddenly dealing with a chronic illness and with it, chronic depression. Uh, he is really, really, really struggling. Uh, he's never experienced this before. Uh, he loves Jesus. He wants to serve him. And he's just finding it a bit hard trying to put the two things together. Uh, surely, if he's a Christian, if God loves him, Jesus died for him, he shouldn't be depressed, should he? He ought to be lively. He ought to be full of the joy of the Lord, as we always uh, say. What's he done to deserve this? He's really struggling with it. Or consider this uh, scenario as an alternative. Uh, we've got a, a father. It's a young, young family. Uh, he's worked for a company for, uh, for several years. Uh, he and his wife have just brought a nice, nice new house. Uh, they're looking forward to uh, many years uh, in that house. And then suddenly he gets made redundant. The company that he's been working for for all these years says, sorry, we're downscaling. Uh, you know, sometimes these things happen, don't they? It's sad to see you go, but that's how it is. Uh, they've got a big spanking new house, a big mortgage to pay off. Lord, why has this thing happened to me? Why me? Why us? Just as life seems to be going really, really, really well. It might be that neither of those scenarios exactly match up to where we are this morning, uh, but each of us will know, at some level, the pain of living in a world that is broken, that just doesn't work as we want it to. In the book of Job, we're told that man is born to trouble, and it's true, each of us uh, can agree with that. And yet the truth is that it's in that arena of life, the difficulties that we face day in, day out, that God calls us to live for him to live out our faith. We're beginning, as uh, Alan said, a new series uh, this morning in this book of James. James is a wonderfully practical letter uh, which seeks to show us how we can live for God wholeheartedly in every single area of our life. Uh, And nowhere is James more practical than right at the very start uh, as he uh, helps us to understand how we can deal with the reality of everyday life of the trials and the temptations that every single follower of Jesus from the very start has known. Uh, And I want to just go through this uh, passage this morning with three questions to open it up. Uh, So let's dive in straight away, shall we? And I want us to see, first of all, uh, why do we experience trials and temptations? Why do we experience trials and temptations? Uh, I guess for most of us, when we're faced with trouble, our first thought, or certainly very, very early on, is simply why. Why is this happening? What, what's going on? James's reply is very, very, very simple. Almost blunt, actually. The answer, he says, is it's about maturity. God's goal for our lives is that we become mature and complete. Uh, so verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. The path to perfection is trial. 
It's when we go through trouble that James says we are going to be made more like the Lord Jesus. How does this work? Well, James tells us uh, that it works because the process of trial and trouble is also a process of testing. Uh, Verse 3, that word that James uses is the same word that the ancients used to describe the process of um, testing metal for coins. Uh, Before uh, putting metal into coinage, uh, they would put it through a fire or a furnace in order to burn off all the rubbish, all the stuff that shouldn't really be there. So you'd end up with the the core being uh, proper true metal. Uh, James says it's a bit like that in the arena of trials. As we're exposed to the heat of trouble, uh, God uses them to refine our faith, to strengthen us, to develop perseverance, as he says, verse 3. God uses trials and temptations to forge in us a lasting faith, a faith that will stick with him for all eternity until we reach full perfection. It's funny, isn't it? James says uh, that this isn't really new. He says, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You know it's not a new fact for many of us, and it won't be uh, for us this morning. The consistent testimony of Scripture is that that is always God's desire. God's desire for his people uh, is transformation. He wants us to be transformed increasingly into the likeness of his Son. And the Scripture tells us that actually the main way in which that happens, or at least much of it, happens amid difficulties. Think of the uh, Apostle Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians, looking back on the hardships of the ministry that he'd enjoyed, and endured even. Uh, He could say of the light and momentary troubles that are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Uh, He saw that link between difficulty and maturity. It was in the path of trial, time of trial, uh, that God was using that to mature him. Uh, we sometimes say, don't we, that there are no gains without pains. Uh, and it's just as much true in uh, the area of Christian uh, holiness, Christian maturity, uh, as it is in any other area of life. And when we start to grasp the bigger picture, we, like James and like Paul writing uh, to the Corinthians, uh, can start to consider them pure joy, as James encourages us. Because we can see God's plan in using them. They do have a purpose. He's using them to make us more like Jesus. Well, if you can remember a couple of uh, years back, um, <coughs> excuse me, Sir Bradley Wiggins was the first Englishman to um, win the Tour de France, cycling's biggest prize. Um, he, um, uh, for over 100 years, an Englishman hadn't managed to win it. He was the one who uh, managed to, uh, to, to do that for the very first time. Uh, when he rode down the Arc de Triomphe, he was reefed in smiles, and everyone else was smiling uh, as well. And yet behind those smiles uh, lay an astonishing uh, tale of hard work and perseverance. I don't know if you've read his uh, autobiography. Uh, it's well worth giving it a read if you, uh, if you enjoy that sort of thing. Um, there were months of hard training and toil. He'd started off as a track cyclist, so a very different body shape to being a road cyclist. It wasn't just the hard graft of completing the Tour de France. Uh, There was that hard graft of transforming himself into something actually different, a different sport, almost, we could say. That triumph couldn't come without hard work. He couldn't win the Tour de France uh, without hard work. And the same is true for us as followers of Jesus. 
if we want to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, which we all ought to, because that's God's plan for us, it will need hard work. It will need endurance. Uh, It will need us to undergo trials and temptations. Uh, We're a big group uh, here this morning. Uh, Lots of us will be in different situations. Uh, There'll be many, I'm sure, who are not in the middle of trial, and we can be thankful for that. But there will be some who are in the middle of a really, really, really difficult situation and are really struggling with this question. Why? What's going on? Uh, James doesn't promise us instant relief or easy answers. Uh, But he does promise us that the path of pain is the path to triumph. Uh, And we can trust in the sovereign goodness of God, who is at work, using all the circumstances of our life to transform us for his praise. So that's the first question. Uh, Why? Let's uh, have a look at the second one, uh, shall we? And I want to uh, ask the question, what do we need for trials and temptations? And uh, see what James has to say. Perhaps you're sitting there thinking, well, that's all very well for you to say that, Will. That sounds uh, all nice and good. Uh, But at the moment, I'm in a really difficult situation, and it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, I can't consider it pure joy, and I really just can't see what on earth is going on here. Well, it's surprising, isn't it? Or it shouldn't be surprised, really, that once again, James has anticipated our question, and he provides us with an answer. He says that what we need to endure trials and temptations uh, is wisdom, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Uh, What we need in the middle of trials and temptations is wisdom, Wisdom to understand uh, how our lives and our circumstances are fitting together into God's bigger plan. And if we lack that wisdom, we simply won't be able to to see that. We won't be able able to see how we fit into God's plans, uh, and we will not be uh, making progress towards the maturity that God longs for each and every single one of us. The key, James says, for trials is wisdom. What is uh, wisdom? Uh, Well, it's not the same as simply having knowledge. Uh, There are lots of people who know an awful lot. In fact, they might even know an awful lot about God. But actually, they're not particularly wise people. Uh, It's not the same as being intelligent either. Uh, There are plenty of people uh, who are very, very brainy, members of Mensa and beyond, and yet they make silly decisions. They're not wise people. It's not the same as knowledge and intelligence. We shouldn't uh, necessarily equate the two. Rather, wisdom in the Bible is not simply about knowing truth, but it's about knowing what to do with that truth as well. Uh, Jesus is held up for us as the supreme example of that. He was somebody who knew the truth, but more than that, he knew how it applied to life. It wasn't purely abstract for him. Uh, And when we're followers of Jesus, uh, Luke promises us that we will be granted uh, wisdom. It's essential for living the Christian life, to knowing how these truths that we believe and we declare uh, fit in to the everyday pattern of our lives. Uh, many of the great heroes of the Bible, going back even further, uh, are commended for their wisdom, particularly about Solomon, for example. Uh, he was the, the man who was commended greatly for wisdom. If we desire to live for God, all of us will need wisdom. But how do we obtain it? Well, again, James is breathtakingly simple, isn't he? He says, go straight to the source. Ask the giving God, the God who loves us. 
Our Heavenly Father is the one who hears our prayers and loves to shower us with his blessings. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding faults, and it will be given to him. Uh, literally, James says here, we are to ask the giving God. Uh, God's uh, generosity is at the heart of his character. Uh, he is always the one who graciously gives to us all that we need without fear of rebuke. We don't even think he's going to tell us off for asking. Uh, we don't have to worry that he's going to be, uh, uh, be stingy and, uh, and not give us uh, all that we need. We don't need to worry that he's going to show favoritism. He's going to give somebody else something and we're going to get left out. Uh, we can come to him who gives generously to all without finding faults and we can trust that it will be given to us. For our part, James says, when we do ask, we must ask in faith. We must ask believing, fully expecting that God will hear our prayer and answer it in accordance with his will and with our needs. And we have to ask in faith. We have to, uh, to trust him uh, and not doubt. Verse, verse 6, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Whatever the circumstances of our life, these truths uh, hold on hold. Uh, they're true whatever uh, we're experiencing. And to show us that, James gives us a little bit of a worked example to see how this works. So verse, uh, verses 9 and onwards, uh, he looks at how it plays out uh, in the circumstances of our life. Uh, so firstly, he uh, points us to uh, a Christian brother uh, who is in humble circumstances. Uh, he says that if you're in humble circumstances, still a believer can rejoice uh, in the Lord with this gift of wisdom. Uh, why? Because even though he might be materially poor, he might not have much money or much that the world has to offer, he knows that he is spiritually rich. Uh, secondly, he then points to uh, those who are in a high position. Uh, we'll have that in any area of uh, Christian life, won't we? A mixture of, uh, of, of circumstances. And he says the believer who finds himself in high circumstances can rejoice in his lowly uh, state. Why? Because with wisdom he can see that the blessings that he is tempted to take for granted actually are pretty fleeting. They're here today, they're gone in the next. In other words, James is saying, whatever our circumstances, when we have the wisdom of God, we can view our circumstances in the light of eternity. Uh, Our view is transformed. We can see them from the perspective of God. And when we begin to do that, we're on the path to Christian maturity. Uh, Not so long ago, I was um, assembling some furniture for um, for Timothy. Uh, And it requires one of those kind of flat pack things, and it required a particular uh, size of screwdriver to, to assemble. Uh, um, I thought, well, I've got that screwdriver, but it's downstairs somewhere in the toolbox. I really can't be bothered to go and get it. I know, I'll use the one that I've got up here. Uh, you can imagine what happened. I had uh, ten minutes of really faffing around and getting incredibly frustrated. Uh, it just simply didn't work. I needed the right tool to do it. Otherwise, I couldn't finish the job. Uh, when we're in the middle of life storms, the world offers us all kinds of things that it says will help us. To, uh, to endure. It might be uh, sleeping pills, it might be mindfulness courses, it might be a glass of wine or a holiday in the sun. You take your pick. They're not all bad things necessarily, are they? But James says if we don't have wisdom, then we're missing the essential tool. 
we will never be fully satisfied. And it's only when we can see our circumstances through the eyes of God that we can start to understand the purpose behind them. And we can start to progress on to becoming more like Jesus. I don't know about you, but wisdom is not the first thing I ask for when I'm in the middle of trouble. It's usually a quick prayer of, God, get me out of here, or something like that. And it's not really the prayer that I often pray for other people if I know that they're in trouble. But I want to challenge you, as I've been challenged this week, why not make that a a prayer for people, that they will be granted wisdom to understand their situation in the light of God? It would be a good prayer to pray for all of us, wouldn't it, in our situations? Well, let's uh, look more briefly at the, uh, the third and final question. And I want to ask just briefly, where do these trials and temptations come from? Where do trials and temptations come from? It was Oscar Wilde who used to say that I can resist everything except temptation. And uh, most of us can probably agree with him, I suspect. We all know, don't we, that kind of craving for something that we know that we really shouldn't have. It's not going to do us any good at all. And yet it seems impossible to resist. Whether it's uh, pornography, perhaps, for some. Maybe it's wanting more and more possessions for others. Uh, Whatever it is, it's something that we know that we shouldn't have, but we crave it. And it's been true for humanity ever since the beginning. Right back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve craved the apple. They craved the knowledge of the tree of, uh, of, of good and evil that they shouldn't have had. And then even then, uh, when they'd done that, they tried to pass the blame on to somebody else. Uh, mankind is an expert in evasion. We're always very good at passing the blame off to somebody else, aren't we? Uh, James won't let us off the hook. He is very, very, very clear that the problem is ours. The problem with sin and temptation, it comes uh, from us. Uh, Verse 13, he says, uh, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted, when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. It's our own sinful desires that lead us down the path of sin which in turn places us under God's just sentence of death. Well, it was true for Adam and Eve in the garden, wasn't it? And it's true for us uh, nowadays. Uh, Many of us will try and evade responsibility for sin. I know I do. It's very tempting to blame it, for example, on our upbringing. Well, it's my parents' fault. That's how they raised me. Uh, Maybe we can blame it on our genes, just the way I'm wired. It's just how I am. All of us, I guess, have done that to some extent. And yet that option isn't really open to us, is it? Uh, Because James says if we start doing that, actually we're effectively holding God to blame for our sin. Uh, Which James warns actually is completely false. We can never say that it's God's fault for temptation and for our sin. Far from leading us into sin, God is the one who pours out good gifts on us. Verse 17. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And the greatest gift that God gives us, what is it? James tells us it's new birth. It's being born again by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits uh, of all that he created. God doesn't condemn us to the sentence of death that we deserve, that our sinful hearts would have us uh, experience. He has called us, set us free from that sentence. He set us free from the passions and the desires of our sinful hearts to live for him, uh, to be for his praise and for his glory. Uh, We can know freedom from the sentence of death 
and from the slavery of our evil hearts. Uh, That is God's gift to us, his grace in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us and rose again. There was a former president called um, Harry Truman in the US. He used to have famously on his desk a sign saying, the buck stops here. The buck stops here. You can see it in a a museum in the States if you go looking for it. It was a reminder for him uh, that he was responsible for his decisions and his actions. He couldn't palm them off onto somebody else. And James reminds us that whilst we're not responsible for everything, we are responsible for our sin. And it's only when we start to admit it and we come to God for a new heart and a fresh start that only he can give that we can know freedom. Uh, why not come to him today? Maybe for some of us that we're particularly wrestling uh, with an ongoing uh, temptation that's only we know about and what it might be. Uh, we're wrestling with that. Uh, we come to him. He will offer us forgiveness and freedom because he gives us new birth through the word of truth. Well, what would you have said to our students and our father right at the beginning uh, as we were thinking about I don't know what you would have said, but James would gently encourage both of them to come to God for wisdom and to see things in the light of his plans and to keep going, no matter how hard it might be. Uh, How glad I am, as that student, almost 10 years ago now, scary to think, isn't it, that a loving friend of mine did give me that answer and showed me this passage. Uh, And I can look back now with say, nearly 10 years of experience and see that God truly was using that experience uh, to shape me, to make me more like Jesus and to give me perseverance. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, says James, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let's pray, shall we? Well, Jesus, each of us will be in different situations this morning. Some life is very sunny For others, life really seems full of storms. Uh, And yet each of us knows that at some point we will experience uh, what it is to live in a broken, sinful world. And we pray for each of us that you would give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to see our situation as you see it, as it fits into your plans. And give us perseverance that we might keep going to the crown of life, to be transformed more like the Lord Jesus day by day. Amen.